Hi everyone, yo soy Andrea Veronica Márquez, and this is Latinx, a new show from La Red Hispana dedicated to motivate bicultural, bilingual Latinx millennials like me to be involved with the larger community while strengthening our Latino roots. As a Mexican-American who grew up at the border of Texas, I always felt like I was never fully American or Mexican. So, this show is for everyone who isn't from here or there, ni de aquí ni de allá, and for those who don't only like to be informed, but who also want to know what to do with that information. Now, more than ever, we should strengthen our Latinx community and let everyone know a little more about all the amazing things we have to offer. Make sure to download and subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on Instagram at LatinX. Join our community and let us know what you would like us to talk about. Te invito a ser parte de esta conversación y unirte a la familia LatinX. This is CNN Breaking News. At the beginning of 2020, the world changed forever without us realizing it at first. It all started in Wuhan, China toward the end of December 2019 when health authorities confirmed that many people were being treated for pneumonia without a known source. Then, mid-January 2020, the first death was recorded. By the end of January, it all snowballed quickly with the World Health Organization declaring a global health emergency, something that had only happened six times in history. Now, all over the world, people are being asked to self-quarantine by staying in their homes, avoiding public spaces, not gathering in groups of more than five people, and not leaving their homes unless absolutely necessary. COVID-19, the coronavirus, is one of the biggest threats to our humanity. And the global implications of such a virus seem to have turned the world into something like out of a movie. As some of us are learning to reconfigure our ways of life by working from home, signing up for meal deliveries, learning to be isolated, and connecting to our friends and family through group video chats, many don't have that luxury. Our first series on Latinx will center around the ways in which the coronavirus has disrupted our ways of life and how Latinos in different professions from various walks of life are dealing with what could be our new normal. Due to safety concerns, we have had to record episodes from our homes. So please bear with us if the audio is not of studio quality. With us today is Andrea Molina, a 28-year-old kindergarten teacher and union organizer living in Washington, D.C., but born and raised in El Salvador in a small town called Soyapango. Andrea is also one of the over 140,000 people in the United States who has tested positive for COVID-19, the coronavirus. Please note that every person who has tested positive for the coronavirus has their own unique experience. Andrea's unique experience does not mean that someone does or doesn't have the coronavirus. I'm Andrea. I tested positive for COVID-19. I got my results about five days ago um, and I was sick for about 12 days. Um, so that felt like a really long time. Like many of us before the coronavirus outbreak all over the world, Andrea was a very active person. She rode her bike to work every day. She would see her friends almost every night of the week and had an active social life. When I got sick, I, you know, I couldn't really do any of that. Uh, and on top of that, the city was kind of like shut down. I couldn't really 
think of when I was going to be healthy again. That was something really scary. So during the sickness, you know, there's a lot of stress around, is this really COVID? Is, you know, is it going to get better? Would I need to go to the ER? Is it going to be really packed? Am I going to be able to receive assistance right away? Or would I need to wait for hours? There are many unknowns about the coronavirus, and one of the public's biggest worries is that symptoms, which according to the CDC include a fever, cough, tiredness, and shortness of breath, could also be from other factors that are not coronavirus-related. I develop a fever first, um, and you're kind of like, you know, at home, sort of like, do I need, do I go to the doctor, get tested? Is this just, is this just a cold? Is it going to go away? Some people question going to the doctor at all because they're not sure if they need to. So after a few days of having a fever, about three days of having a really high fever, you know, I, I sort of realized that I needed to go to get tested. I got tested at a clinic here in Columbia Heights and their recommendation was just like, go home, rest, drink a lot of water, and if you have a fever, take Tylenol. I could see that they were really stressed and that they, you know, they don't really know much about the virus. They were just like, go home, don't see people, be in your room, don't touch anything, and if you do, wash your hands. They don't really know what to recommend. You know, they didn't say like, go and take this pill every four, like they didn't say any of that. One of the CDC's most urgent suggested steps to protect ourselves as well as others is to stay at home if we are sick. And in the United States, many, if not most states, such as California, Connecticut, Florida, Maryland, New York, and Texas, have imposed lockdown measures to avoid social gatherings. How long did it take for them to be like, oh yeah, you have the coronavirus? So it took exactly a week. I went on the 17th and I, uh, it was a Tuesday and I got a call from the Department of Health the Tuesday after. So it's actually a week. Um, when I went and got tested, you know, they're like, oh yeah, the results are going to be here in two or three days. You'll know by the end of the week. It took a long time. And I think that that just adds a lot of stress, like not really knowing if like you will be positive or not. When she started feeling the symptoms and she took her temperature, Andrea had a temperature of 99.9. So I couldn't really see anybody or, you know, I could only get out of my room because if I needed the bathroom um, and I live with other five people, we had a pretty clear plan of what to do. It was very scary to be alone for that long. There was a system of like, someone is going to bring you breakfast, someone is going to bring you lunch, someone is going to bring you dinner. It felt like I had a support network outside of the room, but... It was, just, it was a very lonely time. Many of us can feel helpless and uncertain about the future. As a result, we might feel stressed, anxious, depressed, or scared. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention suggests that you separate what is in your control from what is not, do what helps you feel a sense of safety, get outside in nature, even if you are avoiding crowds, challenge yourself to stay in the present, and stay connected and reach out if you need more support. Self-isolation was not fun at all. And I think that I was really concerned about my mental health. I think that being alone in a room really triggers a lot of other things, like traumas from the past. And I, I grew up in El Salvador. Um, and I remember that, you know, I didn't 
I grew up really poor or not, I didn't have a lot of access to a lot of um, resources. And I remember that one of the things that I think got triggered during me being in isolation was not having access to medical support or feeling that I couldn't really get to the hospital because who's going to drive me? Or once that I get there, it's going to be really packed and, you know, like I might not be able to receive support when I need it. On March 5th, the Director General of the World Health Organization said during a news conference that about 3.4% of reported COVID-19 patients around the world have died. As of March 30th, there have been around 2,112 deaths related to the coronavirus in the United States and 33,257 deaths around the world. Yo uh, fui fumadora por mucho tiempo. Um, y dejé de fumar hace más o menos dos años, pero sí sé que eh, la investigación está mostrando que la gente que es más propensa a que se empeore o que tenga como síntomas mucho más severos uh, son fumadores o, o hay algún tipo de, you know, de, de vulnerabilidad en sus pulmones. Cuando estaba en lo más grueso, así lo más duro de la enfermedad, que básicamente era tener fiebres, muy seguida, sin que bajaran mucho. El tal no estaba ayudando en nada, en lo absoluto, no la estaba bajando la fiebre. Uh, hubo momentos en que me costaba respirar, pero creo que era por la ansiedad. Pero en eso, cuando estás enfermo no puedes pensar muy racionalmente, ni, ni hay mucha lógica, sino que estás como en el momento, estás súper enfermo y no puedes pensar nada más que en tu enfermedad. Así que hubo momentos en que no dije, oh, voy a morir, pero sí estaba muy preocupada porque no podía respirar bien. On February 24, 2020, a new public charge rule took effect under the Trump administration. Under this rule, if certain immigrants are applying for a green card or a visa using federal benefit programs like food stamps or Medicare, it can jeopardize their chances of getting approved. And this rule can scare people from getting the help they need with the coronavirus. People who already have a green card will not be affected. It's the people who want to obtain it in the future. Right now, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Agency issued a statement saying that any medical aid that has to do with the coronavirus will not be affected by the rule. However, that information hasn't been circulated properly. I cannot imagine what it is for folks that don't have documents or that they, they fear having to go into a clinic. You know, they ask for my ID and I have my DC ID. Um, but I wonder, I, I, that's a really scary question for someone who does not have any documentation from the United States. During all of the conversations about the coronavirus, it's important to keep in mind how many people don't have the luxury to social distance or work from home. Coming from um, a working class family, I feel like that like workers basically make the country function. Now, as we are facing this pandemic, I think that it's important to remember that, you know, we are very privileged, many of us to stay home, to still have a check coming to us at the end of the month, or, you know, even like having folks that are available to support you, like bringing food or like, you know, just having the time to take care of, um, of someone who's sick. I think it's a good, it's a, it's a good reminder by that a capitalism system where, you know, workers are not, have the supports and protections that they deserve um, 
in this system right now, I feel like there are so many folks at the front lines that are putting their lives at risk to keep us safe, to keep us healthy, to keep us fed, to keep us connected, to keep us comfortable. It is a wake up call for many of, 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 of us who um, have been doing this work around you know, workers' rights and unions and supporting the working people. There are ways to take care of ourselves while still helping each other and supporting our communities. Algo que me encantaría que la gente tome en cuenta ¿no? es que uno, um, que espero que estén en casa, los que pueden quedarse en casa, que sepan que nuestra productividad ahorita en esos tiempos de pandemia no es lo más importante. Creo que lo más importante es estar eh, conscientes que estamos en esto juntos y que vamos a tratar de salir adelante. Piensen de qué manera pueden utilizar sus privilegios, ya sea económicos eh, o de tiempo o de salud, para poder apoyar a los, a los más vulnerables. Y una de ellas puede ser, si están you know, ordenando comida, asegúrense de dar un buen tip a quien está dejando la comida en su casa. Si están haciendo Instacart, o pidiendo comida en línea eh, a través de Giant o a través de Safeway. Aseguren que, sea, que sean eh, supermercados que tienen sindicatos como Giant o como Safeway y asegúrense que los trabajadores tienen um, las protecciones que están pidiendo. Yo creo que es un importante momento de solidaridad y de mostrarnos eh, conscientes, ¿verdad? Que aunque estemos en la casa, los que podemos estar en casa, hay mucha gente que está afuera peleando esta guerra biológica ¿no? y está poniendo su vida en riesgo. Las personas que están eh, pues muy preocupadas y no saben qué hacer, hay muchos grupos de ayuda mutua a través de Facebook acá en D.C. Eh, se llaman Mutual Aid. Hey, guys, this is Andrea. Thanks for listening. Make sure to download and subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on our social media at Latinx. Comment and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. If you want to know anything about the sources Andrea Molina or I mentioned during this podcast, I've included links in the description. Mm -hmm.